This is the WP Elevation Podcast, helping WordPress consultants elevate. G'day, Troy Dean here from WP Elevation, and I'm very honoured to have with me all the way from the UK founding developer of WordPress, Mike Little. Good evening, Mike. Hi, good evening, Troy, or Thank good morning for you. <laughs> yes, it is. What, what, what time is it there for you? Uh, so it's just after 9pm. Ah, so it's, on the screen it looks like there's this amazing sunlight coming in the window, but it must just be a lamp, right? Uh, it's, yeah, it's a couple of lamps actually, one on either side. I thought I'd balance it up a little bit. <laughs> very clever, very clever. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Mike Little is actually one of the founding developers of WordPress, which we're going to talk a little bit about in more detail. Uh, but you are one of, the, one of the men that started this whole thing with, Mike, with Matt Mullenweg way back when. Is that, is that right? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I mean, literally, um, the the whole WordPress project started with a comment from me on Matt's blog. Wow. So, yeah, that was the the, the actual po- uh, point at which the project kicked off. That is fascinating. We're going to talk a little bit more about that moment in history later on. But before we get there, a quick competition announcement. I thought it was only fitting that I give away a copy of Scott Birkin's book, A Year Without Pants, which is his experience of working at Automatic for a year. So I'm going to give away a copy of that a little bit later in the interview. Stick around for details on how you can win that. All right, before we start talking about all things WordPress-ish, Mike, when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Um, I never really knew. I kind of didn't have any specific ideas. And um, I remember one interesting thing from when I was at high school. Um, we had like the, the careers people came along to give you advice on your careers. Um, and I think I was asked a single question, what kind of things are you interested in? At which I kind of scrambled to, to, to find something appropriate and said, oh, well, I, I got an electronics set for Christmas and I, was, I really enjoyed playing with that. And so they suggested I join the RAF. <laughs> and that was about it. And that was the career's advice I got. I never got another, another word of it. Wow. <laughs> I, think, I think the reality was that because uh, I went to a grammar school and uh, they expected everybody basically to just go straight to university and not have to worry about careers just yet. Right. Um, in actual fact, I didn't. I dropped out before I went to university. But uh, yeah, that was, uh, I, ju- I genuinely didn't really have any idea. And I've kind of fallen into everything since, right. bizarrely. And so was that a careers guidance counsellor or was it a defence force recruitment officer that was <laughs> <laughs> I think a bit of both, actually. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So when so did you did you join the RAF incidentally? No, no, no. Right. no. Um, but enough, my first job was in electronics. Right. <laughs> and at what point did you discover the web? Uh, oh, so the web was was quite a lot later, uh, so about ninety two actually. Um, so I first, in fact, yeah, I first interacted in the uh, with the web um, on a green screen PC, so no graphical browser. Wow. I remember Mosaic being new. Um, and wow. not having a, a machine that ran Windows to try it. Wow, you trailblazer, you. <laughs> wow. Yeah, although my, my first experience of computers was even earlier than that, 1978. So before home PCs. Right. Just, yeah, so I wrote my first program in 1978. So what, 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 what did that first program do? Um, it probably said... Um, uh, print mic go to 10 or something like that it was it was definitely in basic yep it was programmed on a on a uh, machine that was a teletype so it was didn't even have a screen so what you typed came out on the on a printer at the back of the device and that was the the terminal into the uh, what was probably uh it wouldn't have been a mainframe it probably would have been a a a little mini avax or something like that in the uh, my local college wow it's funny. Yeah. I, remember, I remember having a very old computer. Uh, what well, was new for us when I was very young, but it was, you know, by today's standards, was prehistoric. Uh, it was called a Vic Twenty, and uh, oh yeah. And the first thing I learned to do on it was to actually pr- write a little program to to display my name all over the screen. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. And it's interesting that they say if you give someone a, a brand new pen and tell them to write something, the first thing they'll do is write their name with the with the yes. pen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and. Um, this is this is an interesting question, but I always ask this question of guests. But I'm 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 particularly curious about how you felt the first time you saw the WordPress dashboard. Um, Do you remember? I not. I mean, I wouldn't say very specifically that I remember. Um, 
but I probably I probably quite liked it because because it, WordPress itself was a progression from B two, which mm. I I was already used to using, and in fact it was it was Matt that did all the major changes to the to the WordPress admin. Oh, well, what was then the B two uh, admin interface? Um, so yeah, I would have been quite impressed with it. Um, but almost certainly, probably the first thing I would have done would have been to view source and check that the HTML was valid because that was one of the things that we we were doing was making the the HTML valid. So, yeah, probably not not so much admiring the the, the aesthetic side of it, but more checking the technical side of it. It's fantastic, isn't it? Are you one of those guys when when a friend comes around with a new car, the first thing you do is lift the hood and have a look at what's happening underneath? Um, almost, yeah. Not right. not so much cars, kind of not got great interesting cars, but yeah, computers and and stuff yeah. like that. I've always done that. I, I I always have a a fascination with how things work. How things work, yeah. um, and I always try and try and you know discern that whatever um, whatever it is that's new. Um, not necessarily just in computer. I always try and figure out how it works. Or, mm. yeah, there's a, I'm going to put this in the show notes. But there's a fantastic book by Richard P. Feynman called The Pleasure of Finding Things Out. Oh. And he uh, he's a, he's a scientist. He was actually mm-hmm. one of the guys on the team that developed the atomic bomb that they dropped on Hiroshima. Right. Um, and <clears throat> he uh, he he talks about the pleasure of of finding out how things work, and that he's fascinated oh. with that with that that uh, that curiosity. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, my mother has a, a story from from when I was very very young, and I was given a, a little carpentry kit. Uh, so I must have been sort of pre six or seven at the at the oldest, um, and I apparently went and took off all the door handles off all the <laughs> <laughs> all the doors in the house. <laughs> oh, that's classic. All right, <clears throat> let's talk about before we go back to the <clears throat> the WordPress uh, evolution. Let's talk about Z1 for a moment, which is your web development agency. I see you're drinking from a WordPress 10 anniversary oh, uh, yes, glass. Yes. There, very good, very good. Um, so, so Z1 is your uh, your web development uh, consultancy. How do you describe when when you, when you meet people for the first time and they say, "Hey, Mike, what do you do?" How do you describe that in one sentence? What's your elevator pitch, so to speak? Uh, I I usually say I'm a WordPress specialist. Um, I um, develop, uh, consult, and train in WordPress. That's pretty much it. Right. Great, nice, <laughs> um, nice and succinct. And, and, you know, if if it comes up, I, I will mention. Yeah, I'm the the co-founder of WordPress. Right. Sort of thing. I don't kind of tell, you know, blurt that out straight away. Sure. I, you don't. You, so you. So you don't lead with that. You. Uh, if if that comes up, you're happy to talk about it, but you don't lead in with yeah. that. Oh no, no. I'm. I'm. Uh, I, I, a lot of my friends tell me off for being too humble about it, but right. um, yeah, it's not not really something that I particularly brag about. Although I have got it on my business cards now on the other side. <laughs> oh, very good, very good. <clears throat> so, so what do you spend in your in your day to day? What do you spend most of your time actually doing? Um, currently, it's uh, or it has been um, development mainly. Um, I've got a couple of uh, clients who I do continual development work. One, uh, we're working on a project that's been developing for four years now, um, pretty much. Um, uh, but I also do uh, a bit of training, and therefore I do uh, the prep for the training as well. And I'm trying to do more and more of that. Um, but this year, I'm hoping to kick off uh, some online training courses, and so I am planning to spend a lot more time putting those courses together, recording videos, and coming up with scripts, and and doing everything that I need to do to get those those courses ready. Great, <clears throat> because you you run. I was doing some research yesterday on your website, and you run. Actual physical classroom training sessions. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, for for to teach people how to use WordPress at all sort mm-hmm. of different levels, beginner, intermediate, and advanced. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and, and so I, and I, I was going to say I do some de- development training as well. Right. Okay. Which is quite good. And so the students in those classes are they mainly? What's the mix? Are they small business owners or are they bloggers? Are they hobbyists? What's the what's the mix there? Um, it's it's certainly quite a mix in the develop in the beginner course. Right. Um, so yeah, from people who um, just have got time on their hands and, and they've got themselves a WordPress site and they kind of got past the first bit and want to know how to do more with it. Um, people who are, whose job requires that they suddenly they've been landed with maintaining the website. Um, and then, yeah, also people who are looking to either start in their own business or looking to, to get themselves a job uh, in, in, the, in the industry. And obviously WordPress is a, 
is a great choice. We're up to 21% of the internet now. Yeah, using that's WordPress. crazy, isn't it? It's it is, nuts. Yeah. And it's funny because um, I, they, I kind of think that becoming a WordPress consultant is probably one of the most popular career choices being made in the world right now just because of mm -hmm. the sheer demand. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, in terms of the business side of things, what's the one thing that keeps you awake at night? Um, how bad I am at business, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's quite odd. I'm, I'm not the kind of person who puts myself forward. So the whole idea of marketing myself and promoting myself and so on is quite alien to me and something that I struggle with, um, trying to get better at it, dress, desperately trying to get better at it. Um, so it's, it, yeah, it's really that kind of thing. And, and also just trying to get away from the, the, the working, uh, you know, on a time-based, uh, mm. basis, which obviously has its limits, um so um yeah if i mean it doesn't really keep me awake at night but it's like it's the kind of thing that's, that at the moment is is on my mind and that i'm i'm working towards uh sorting out basically yeah it's a very common story it's uh you know a lot of technical people or even creative people who who have a particular talent or a particular skill end up mm -hmm. with this kind of business opportunity in front of them. And, and, you know, none of us went to business school. We kind of all went and did no. creative things or technical things, and we're good at what we do. But this whole business thing is a bit of a mystery, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you do when you're not working? How do you, how do you unwind? Um, I read a lot. Um, I, I sometimes watch films as well, but not as many as I'd like to at the moment. And, and the odd TV series I'll watch. I don't try not to watch too much TV. Um, but I got a Kindle a couple of years ago, um, and, and I love it. I just love being able to have that many books with me at any time and just whip it out at any time. It's it's uh, it's really good. And I, you know, I I've read for for a very long time, and and uh, there was a time when I could probably read two novels a week easily maybe more um not quite that many now um but yeah just just love reading really and and it's mainly fiction that you read is it um it is i read the odd technical book as well and even the odd business book mm -hmm. um but yeah a lot of fiction science fiction in particular uh. fantasy i love um yeah and then the other thing is music uh, couldn't live without music mm. yeah I, I read that on your blog actually and is that um you, you and Matt obviously share a, a common love for music. Was that something that you realised early on? Um, no, funnily enough, it wasn't. Um, I mean, my first contact with Matt before, um, you know, when, it, when, it, when we were both using B2, in fact, was um, via his site, which was Photomat mm. at the time, photomat.net. Um, and I actually uh, contacted him to ask him about the gallery software he was using on his site, which turned out it was uh, the, the one called Gallery, the PHP script called Gallery. Mm -hmm. um, and I'd had you know, contact with him then, and I followed him on his blog. Um, and what I hadn't realized, and didn't realize until some time after WordPress started, that he was the same guy as Saxmat on the B2 forums. Ah. And I didn't connect the two people. Although, thinking about it, I probably found his site through the forums and then lost the, you know, lost the connection between the two people. Right. Um, so, yeah, so it was, uh, I didn't kind of realize, I didn't recognize him from the B2 forums as it was. And what's your, what's your chosen genre of music? What's your favorite genre to listen to? Um, favorite is probably chill outs, I would uh, say, of, of, of assorted kinds, but really very, very wide tastes. Yeah. Um, I love a lot of stuff. I love discovering new artists, uh, try to go to, uh, local live gigs as well. Yeah. Um, which, which I love doing. I love the int intimacy of a small gig, you know, with 20 to 50 people in the audience. And, yeah. um, I always try and turn up in time to see the support acts as well. Cause you can find some great artists yeah. uh, when, when the first support acts, you know, before they get, they get bigger. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just really any kind of music from jazz, rock, punk, uh, folk. Yeah. Anything. Cool. Really do, really. I used to play in independent bands in uh, in Australia back way back when when I was a young strapping lad, and, uh -huh. um, and we were always the support act. So thank you, Mike, for turning up to see the support <laughs> act. <laughs> On behalf of all support bands around the world, we are eternally uh -huh. grateful. <laughs> Um, now, here's an interesting nugget that I found on your CV. Your CV says that you develop and maintain the PM's website, as in Ten Dowling Street, right? 
Um, th- yeah, that was the case. It's not the case anymore, alas. But right. um, how, did, how, I, did, how did that come about? Uh, so that was um, when I decided to turn uh, a full-time uh, WordPress developer. That actually came about at the uh, first WordCamp that I'd attended, which was the first WordCamp in, U- in the UK in 2008. And um, one of the first speakers asked for a show of hands in the room for uh, people who made some or all of their living from WordPress. And about half the people in the room put the hand up, not me, uh, which, you know, struck me at that point as really just, wow, you know, these people are not just interested in WordPress, they're making a living out of WordPress. Um, and that, uh, literally at that point, I decided to quit my day job and, and start working for myself. Oh, right. Uh, but one of the guys that I met there was a guy called Simon Dixon, who had just persuaded, he, he was an ex-government uh, uh, web developer, gone independent and just persuaded number 10 Downing Street to get to have themselves a, a WordPress site built. Um, and basically the, the company that uh, developed it, they were really just a design company and they weren't up to maintaining it and adding new features <clears> and so on. So Simon arranged for me uh, to get an interview with uh, with the people at the the um, at, at the um, at Whitehall to go along and and pitch for for maintaining and developing the site, yeah. um, which I eventually did, and that was actually my first proper job, having quit my day job, was working for the number ten site. So you know, no pressure or anything. <laughs> no. What an interesting trajectory. So so here's a man who co-founds this little thing called WordPress that ends mm-hmm. up becoming so popular, you attend a function where half the people in the room are making a living out of it and you're not. So you decide that you're going to make a living out of it and your first client is the PM's office. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, yeah. could, you couldn't if you if you wrote that script and pitched it to a film studio, they just wouldn't believe you, would they? I mean, that's you, no, I know that's unbelievable. It, it was it was crazy. All right, let's go back in time and talk a little bit about WordPress. Um, you are one of the founding developers of WordPress, and we know that how this came about is that Matt was using a B two at the time to blog uh, about a trip that he was on and, and B2 wasn't being uh, supported and wasn't being developed. And so he, he left a, he wrote a post saying that he was interested in forking it and you left a comment on that post and that's how the relationship yeah. started. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, and what was interesting was that, uh, and it wasn't pointed out, uh, I, it, it was pointed out to me just last year, was that nobody else commented on that blog post. The wow. next comment on that blog post was a year later celebrating the fact that the project had been going a year. Wow. Um, and I think Matt mentioned it himself uh, um, in the middle of last year that really, uh, it, you know, he wondered if I hadn't replied, would it have kicked off? Would it yeah. eventually have, have started the project? Yeah. Um, but yeah, the two of us um, set off working on, on B2, and that was January 2003. And um, we worked towards getting the first release out, which eventually came out in May 2003. Um, just before we actually got that release out, um, Michelle, who was the original author of B2, came back on the scene. So the guy had disappeared. Turned out he'd been made redundant. Real life kind of interceded a little bit more important than a bit of software. Um, but he <laughs> came back on, on the scene and declared us the official successors to B2. Because there were, by that time, actually by May 2003, a couple more forks of, of B2. Um, but declared us the official successors, I think, two days before we got the first release out. Um, and, yeah, we got that first release out, um, and uh, people started using it. We got more people um, added to the team, um, and it went on from there. Uh, quite uh, amazing. Uh, I'm interested in any kind of development, whether it's product development, software development, any process of developing an idea and releasing it into the wild – there are several moments in that process where you come across a challenge or something that just seems like, you know, this is all too hard. It's not worth pursuing. This is never going to go anywhere. What, what is it that what is it that kept you guys going to actually? I mean, five months from from starting work on it to releasing it in May. What what mm. is it that kept you going to actually push through all of those barriers and overcome all of those challenges and actually release something into the wild? Um. I, th- I think for me in particular, it was it was just a challenge. It was just a challenge of um, of accomplishing this. I mean, I'd been involved in 
open source projects before in a fairly minor way, mostly kind of lurking about on uh, mailing lists and maybe submitting the odd bug and occasionally even the odd patch. Um, but to be this this involved in it, one of only the you know one of only two developers, um, that was just that was just a great challenge. And 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 that's the thing I love about software development is actually overcoming those issues and and getting something working and then improving it and honing it and so on. Um, so yeah, it was initially it was absolutely it was just that that love of solving those problems. Yeah, that's Definitely. great. Um, it's really nice to hear you say that because it's you know. I think if you can have that genuine passion for a project, that's what actually helps you cut through all the noise and get through all the obstacles mm. and, and finish. The, there's something really nice about finishing something you've started, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it is. It's that sense of achievement, and I've, and I've read that um, you know, that's the thing that uh, a lot of people in software development do get out of the, that process is that it's, it's being able to overcome those, those little problems and, and uh, make those, those little achievements, and it adds up to, to a great you know, feeling of, of, uh, of well-being, hitting those targets and, and, and overcoming those obstacles. Yeah. Absolutely. Did you guys have any idea back then that this thing would become so popular? Um, no, definitely not. Um, initially, I mean, it really was, as Matt described, fixing the bugs in the software that we were using right. um, and making some improvements and, and adding in uh, new features, just the things that we wanted to see in the software. Um, so, yeah, it was really was just about that initially. Um, and no, I don't think we could have guessed at, at that point how, you know, how big it would grow. Absolutely. And at what point, at what point did you realize that this idea was getting some traction and that maybe it was going to become something a lot bigger than you'd anticipated? Um, I think one of the turning points was, um, the the issue with um, movable type, which was absolutely the leading blogging software. I mean, I think I've seen some estimates that said they probably had ninety percent of the blogging market at the time, um, and I think it was version three came out, uh, and superficially it didn't seem to have any uh, new features or, or be any uh, very different to, to most people who used it. It was it was almost a rewrite, I believe, and under the hood it was it was a lot different, but. Um, they also changed their licensing at the time and decided that if you had, I think it was might have been more than three blogs using movable type or, or and or if you were making money in any way, like having adverts or something on your site, then they wanted a fee uh, mm. from you. Yeah, I, I, remember that, I remember that well, actually. <laughs> that, that did upset a few people and there were some prominent bloggers who decided mm. to switch Mm. Um, more about the uh, the principle than the money because I mean it, it wasn't huge amounts but mm. I think there was one um, a blog post in particular by Mark Pilgrim which he's now offline because he took all his stuff offline a, a couple of years ago mm. um, but it was uh, I think it was called Freedom Zero uh, which is the first uh, freedom that you get with the GPL and it basically he basically explained how movable type wasn't free enough. Um, compared to WordPress, and, and he switched over to WordPress and said, you know, it was relatively easy. And just to prove the point that it wasn't about the money, he worked out how much he would have had to pay, and then donated it to the to the WordPress course. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, and, that's you know, gold. There are a few other bloggers that, that that moved over to WordPress as as it got better. I mean, to be fair, it you know it had some catching up to do, um, but it certainly. Um, a couple of years in, maybe a little bit longer, um, it got to the point where movable type started adding features that were in WordPress first sort of thing. Mm. So they started to become followers. Yeah, uh, yeah, and it just it just it just grew and grew, and it was uh, quite astonishing, really. I think I, I remember um, when someone introduced me to WordPress, and then kind of you know doing the usual, well, show me all the alternatives to WordPress before I. <laughs> decide to use this I want to make sure that I'm using the best thing and I want to have a look at all the other alternatives and I discovered movable type and and uh, and it was a pay product at the time and uh, and for me that was a barrier to entry because I was just starting out I didn't know if I was going to use this thing for my own hobbies or for client work or I, I didn't know yeah. how I was going to use it and um, <clears throat> this common story I've had from most people on this on this podcast is that WordPress despite it's despite its flaws WordPress was the easiest thing to get up and running. It had the path of least resistance in terms of getting absolutely, something up and, yeah. and publishing something. And, yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's um, and I think that's still its strength, actually. Yeah, 
I, I think I think it is too. I mean, you know, uh, in terms of the in terms of the main CMSs on the market, I mean, we'll talk about uh, some of the other uh, leaner alternatives coming up soon. But in terms of you know the Joomla's and the Drupal's and the or the Magento's of the world, WordPress is definitely the easiest thing to get up and running. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. What, what what were some of the most exciting developments in WordPress early on when you were working on it? Was it the plugin architecture or was it the 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 theme structure? What what what, what were some of those really exciting developments that got your juices flowing? Um, I think probably the one that got kind of really got me quite excited was the the theming system, um, because prior to that um, you were modifying the 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 CSS file and the the index.php that came with WordPress itself. So once the theming system came in, then that was a big step forward. But actually before that. Um, it was very much the plugin architecture and the the um, the actions and the filters. Or filters actually existed in B two, although I didn't know it at the time. Wow! Um, uh, so that getting enhanced and used more, and then the the actions. Um, yeah, that that made a huge difference. Although I don't ne- necessarily think people appreciated it at the time, but it it suddenly meant that you could add on to the system without ma- modifying those core files. So it, it meant that the update process wasn't painful. Um, and therefore, yeah, people could keep up to date. People could get the new features, get the bug fixes, get the security fixes and so on. Uh, so I think they were the most exciting things. And that's something that's really taken for granted these days, isn't it? I mean, you know, when you mm-hmm. use WordPress now, I, I still have that moment where I install a plugin, a, a free one or one that I've paid for, and I think, how much time did that just save me? <laughs> oh, absolutely! That is yeah. just yeah. miraculous. That you know, and especially the when I first discovered WordPress and, and discovered the plugin repository, it was like the sky had opened up and I'd been invited <laughs> into heaven. You know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, I remember uh, when I was still in my day job, um, WordPress was um, probably maybe version two point one or something like that, and I had to work on a project that. Um, uh, basically required some kind of CMS, but needed some kind of automation as well. Um, and actually, I decided to look at doing it in uh, Drupal um, because I didn't think WordPress was going to be up to the job uh, when we were first specifying the project. Um, and I started playing about with Drupal, and I'd had a little play many years uh, before. Um, and just looking at how you added plugins and, and extensions to Drupal requiring you to write PHP code, modify configuration files, figure out how it all worked, how it all got put together just so you could use some plugin that somebody else had written. Mm. Um, and I literally abandoned it at that point. I thought this is just too, is not maintainable. And I was able to really work out how to do what we needed to do with uh, WordPress. And, and actually that turned out to be quite successful. Mm. And I think it's still in use today. Yeah, great. Um, how do you feel knowing that something you helped start is now being used by tens of millions of people every day? Uh, it's quite humbling. It really, really is. It's just sometimes I just can't get my head around it. Uh, <laughs> I, I really can't. Um, I mean, you know, and I, I, I can't make any great claims to... to uh, being responsible for how wonderful WordPress is, there's you know there's a fantastic community around WordPress who build it and make it better. I mean, my direct involvement uh, uh, kind of petered out very fairly early on in the project. You know, kind of 2000 end of 2005. Um, so you know, it's a, it's a it's a lot of other people, a lot of uh, cleverer people than me who've who've built it and and, and maintained it and and improved it. Um, but yeah, just to, to have been involved in that and to, to have got that first uh, release out and uh, it's just been astonishing. And, I, and I've, you know, I've never moved away from it, even when I couldn't uh, work on the project itself. I still used it for myself and my family's sites. And, uh, um, you know, yeah, eventually uh, it now pays the bills, you know. Um, awesome. I, I was going to say, interestingly, um, I kind of didn't really appreciate how big the industry was around WordPress, even mm. though I knew it was very popular and the, the numbers of, for example, the downloads uh, counter on WordPress.org was, was uh, you know, really impressive numbers. Mm. I still didn't get that so many people were making money out of it until probably only till about four years ago uh, yeah. that I really appreciated that, that it wasn't just the odd one or two companies that I'd heard of. There were, you know, lots and lots of people. Mm. 
So you just touched on something there that <clears throat> is later in the script here, but I'm going to jump into it now, that your involvement in the project kind of petered out early on. Why, mm-hmm. why is that? How, how come, I mean, I've often thought, you know, why, why aren't you sitting beside Matt now as a partner in Automatic and, and, and steering the ship? Was that a conscious decision that you made to kind of do your own thing? or had, um, what, 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 was the, what was the evolution there? Um, so really my involvement in the project kind of petered out. Uh, a similar story to Michelle's really in that um, real life intruded. So there were things that, that went on in real life that meant that I just couldn't spend time at the computer um, because I, you know, I used to, um, at the time in the house, um, I was on a desktop before I had a laptop. Um, and it was down in the cellar. I had a little office, uh, layout in the cellar. Um, so it was literally, I would spend two or three hours a night, you know, down there working on WordPress or on the forums or something like that. And really the situation at home, uh, uh, got so that I couldn't do that anymore. And um, that was really one of the main things. I just genuinely didn't have the time to to spend online. And at the time, it was still very much just a, a hobby thing. Mm. And you know, it, and that was uh, just about before Matt was, or just about around the time Matt was starting Automatic as well. Um, the Automatic thing, I, it just it just never uh, never happened really. Um, I think in the early days, they probably couldn't have afforded to pay me a wage that would uh, justify me giving up my day job sort of thing. Mm. Um, but yeah, I never, never really uh, got involved in that. Matt, Matt just, you know, set that up on his own and, and uh, um, yeah, just, just didn't happen, basically. And you, do you still contribute to WordPress code? Do you still contribute patches or, or, or bug fixes or...? Um, very occasionally, yeah. Um, and in fact, I did get a, a, a bug uh, um, committed to 3.8. So my name is, is back on the credits for 3.8. Congratulations. Uh, first, <laughs> first time for a while, although I got a patch in 3.6 as well. Uh, funnily enough, the, uh, the bug fix that went in 3.8 um, was actually one that I uh, first patched in 2.8. Uh, so it would taken quite a while to get in there, but... Um, I uh, met up with uh, Andrew Nason at uh, WordCamp London uh, just the tail end of last year and we had a contributor day the following day mm. and uh, I got along and managed to persuade him to get it get it committed there and then so excellent um, yeah so so they've been around for a few years that that book that patch but, excellent yeah it's as as much as I can and um, it's something that I also want to do uh, this year is I'm, I'm determined to to contribute more again to get back into that the rhythm of looking for bugs and submitting patches and testing stuff and so on. Do you think there's been, you know, I have, I have um, a lot of conversations with a lot of people in the WordPress space all the time. Do you think the evolution of WordPress suffers at all because of the collaborative open source nature of it? Do you think that some features don't make it or that, or that, um, that sometimes it's, it, it doesn't evolve as quickly or as, uh, comprehensively, as some as some of us would like, because of that open source collaborative nature, because there are a lot of people contributing to the project. Um, uh, no, I think the exact opposite. I think it benefits from the very wide community um, that are involved in it, but also I think from the the steerage of Matt. Uh, Matt is still the benevolent dictator at the head of the project, um, and sometimes. I think he does override things that people might want to do. But actually, there's there's a really strong team um, of core developers now um, on the WordPress project. Um, but one of the things um, that I think is probably important about, about WordPress, and particularly in comparison to some of the other tools that have been around for a while, is that, um, do you know the concept of the cathedral and the bazaar, the two different yeah. development models? So Yeah, um, but can you remind me, for, and for, for our listeners, so, yeah. So, uh, so it's two different ways of doing open source projects. One of them is the bizarre model, which is where basically everybody gets to contribute. Anybody can put code in there, um, you know, and it's a kind of free for all and the good stuff comes out and bubbles to the top is, is, is the hope. Um, and the other model is the, the cathedral model where there's a small set of uh, high priests who get to sanction what goes in and doesn't <laughs> go in and, and so on. Um, and effectively, um, WordPress is is the cathedral model. So there's a there's a small core of uh, of developers who are allowed to commit to the code, mm. and therefore everything does go through them. Even though they take contributions from everybody, there's that 
uh, limit, but and and sometimes that can go badly for a for a project. It it only goes in the in the way that that team wants it to go, and and that's not necessarily how everybody else wants it to go. I think in the case of WordPress, I think it's always been to the benefit of WordPress. Um, one of the key things is that um, WordPress is pretty much backwards compatible back to the very first release. Um, so that it means that that things don't break. That when you get the new version, um, you know it, it's not going to bring your site down horribly. I know that Drupal. I think Drupal from six to seven, every single plugin had to be rewritten in some way, or maybe mm. in minor ways. But it literally just meant that if you upgraded, everything stopped working, mm. and you had to make adjustments. Mm. Um, and that's happened with other projects as well. So, although. Um, a small but vocal minority, particularly of developers who think it should move along faster, it should, the code should become more grown up and more architected um, better. I still think that Matt's driving vision of making it, uh, you know, a publishing platform that's easy to use is what is one of the reasons why it is, it is so big and it's so popular and it's so great. Even though it's incredibly functional, incredibly sophisticated now, still, out of the box, it's relatively easy to get going with it and to produce something and to start publishing on the web. And I think that's, that's a testament to, to Matt's direction, to be honest. Mm. Uh, how do you feel about newcomers like Ghost and, and Droplets and some of these lightweight... Um, lean, fast-moving, hungry startups coming along. Do you think that do you think that WordPress's dominance of the web will ever be threatened? Um, certainly not in the short term. Um, I mean, I remember Ghost uh, when it first started. I don't think it was called Ghost at the time, but when it was first started as a uh, a plugin to change the admin to simplify the admin. Um, and um yeah i mean i looked at it recently um you know now it's it's got going but i think um whilst it looks or it appears to be simple um in terms of the usability um i'm not 100% convinced that that's the case um it seems that the easiest option is only a paid option for the paid hosting which mm. i find odd i thought there would at least be a free version um otherwise you know you get to host it yourself but but you know which sharing uh, which shared hosting companies support Node.js? Mm. I'll be very surprised if many of them do. Um, and and also, um, as much as I love Markdown, I still think that's a really odd choice. That's not a an end user who wants something simple. It's not their choice of of how to mark up their their uh, blog posts. I find that odd, even though I use Markdown myself. Mm. Do you think? So, yeah, I was going to say no. No, I don't think there's any threat just yet. <laughs> do you think? I mean, WordPress has such momentum. It has such a, a huge following. People who use WordPress. I mean, I've you know go to WordCamps. I've been to WordCamps all over the world, and people who use WordCamps, even even hobbyists who use WordCamps to run their own little blog about model railway sets, they're so passionate about WordPress. It's mm. it's ridiculous. They're like they become fans of the software. Do you? And I, I kind of. <clears throat> For me, it's going to take something pretty special to come along and and challenge that because there is, and I think it's the community around WordPress that that ignites people's passion and that gets people so fired up about it. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, um, I've been involved in in um, all but the first uh, um, uh, WordCamps in the UK up until WordCamp London, um, <clears throat> and yeah, it's been it's been fantastic seeing the. Uh, the community and that I also run a, a, a monthly meetup in Manchester Word, uh, WordPress meetup. Um, last night was uh, this month's meeting and it was standing room only uh, wow. in there, which is which is just astonishing. But it is it's a fantastic community and and we get quite a mixed bag at, the, at that meetup from you know absolute beginners uh, to you know people for whom de WordPress is their day job. Um, and I remember one time, probably a couple of years ago now, because I've been running this group for about uh, th three, nearly four years, um, we had one lady who came who'd just heard of WordPress and been told that's probably the best thing to <laughs> to start your we uh, website with. Um, before she left the meeting, somebody had set up a WordPress site for her. So she came to the meeting you know, hoping to learn something a little bit about WordPress to maybe use on her site. And she went away with her, start, her site started. <laughs> and somebody just did that kind of in a corner while somebody else was talking, you know. And it's just, yeah, it's a, a classic example of the community 
uh, around WordPress is that, yeah, yeah, somebody will do that for you. And, Absolutely. And I think it's because when you meet people in the community, they, they're having a challenge that you've had. And it's like, well, if only someone was here to help me out when I started out, it would have been so much easier. So there's this constant feeling of just wanting to give back and help people get over that little hurdle. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. It really, it, it really is that 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 good uh, as a community. I remember, I um, we had a uh, WordCamp in Manchester uh, a couple of years ago, 2010, um, and I dragged my uh, stepson along, who's had a, a blog since the B2 days. Um, and I caught up with him about halfway through the first day and just said, you know, how are you finding it? Is it any interesting? And he said, he said, I can't believe that um, people whose job is WordPress are standing up in a room full of their potential rivals and telling people how to be better at their job. <laughs> he said, I can't believe any other industry that would do that. And yeah. yet that's absolutely typical yeah. of, of a WordCamp and the WordPress community is that people will help you be better at what you do. It is. It's quite remarkable, isn't it? Mm-hmm. All right. <clears throat> let's talk about, uh, let's get into the Elevation round. For those of you that don't know, WP Elevation is the world's first business accelerator program designed specifically for WordPress consultants. You can subscribe to this podcast at wpelevation.com. And hey, if you like it, I'd love you to get over to iTunes and leave us a review. That would really help a lot. Uh, so in this round, I'm just going to ask you, Mike, a series of questions about freelancing as a WordPress consultant, mm-hmm. and you just tell me off the top of your head uh, the first thing that comes to mind. What's the number one thing any freelancer or consultant needs to know? Um, they need to know how to listen to their clients, I would say, um, and provide a solution for the, that meets what the client needs rather than sell them a website or sell them a, a, a design Nice. That's very good advice. Uh, what's the best thing you've ever done to find new customers? Um, that's an interesting one because I kind of don't really do much to find new customers. <laughs> I'm very fortunate that I get a number of uh, uh, referrals, kind of word of mouth, um, and otherwise people do find me, and I get uh, you know uh, I've got a contact form on on my website, so people find me that way. Um, so I don't think I've really done anything very specific, but I do run the run the meetup group, and I've all, I try to go to as many WordCamps as I can in the UK at the moment. But yeah, uh, yeah I think that gets my name known. Contributing to the community. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you stop competing on price? Um, painfully, um, <laughs> it has taken me a very long time to slowly but surely increase my prices. Uh, and try to sell value rather than my time. Um, I I think I charge quite a, 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 a not expensive, but a, a, a you know a reasonable amount now. Um, but people still tell me that I could probably double my prices and and you know still get away with it. Um, but it, uh, well, it's funny. I wouldn't want to get away with it. That's the thing. I, I would mm. never want never feel comfortable thinking. That I've managed to, you know, screw as much money as possible out of a client. It just, mm. it's not me. It's not not my nature. Um, but yeah, it's trying to trying to uh, get across the value of what it is that you that you you're building for people. And it's something that I'm not. I don't. I don't regard that I'm very good at at the moment. Yeah. It's um, a... But I'm trying to get better at it. Excellent. Um, any tips on writing better proposals? Um, don't do what I do. Right. Proper proposals. <laughs> um, I'm a I'm a I'm a bit rubbish at it at the moment, um, and every now and then um, something will will crop up in a in a job. Uh, particularly, I try to avoid fixed price jobs uh, at the moment. Um, although you know that's the thing I need to do. Um, but um, yeah, I get the odd one where things go wrong or thing, it suddenly decides that it's going to take longer, and often that's because it just wasn't specified well enough. Uh, at the beginning, and that's something I'm trying to to learn to get to get better at is to um, nail down the spec. Basically, if it's going to be for a fixed price, it it has to be that the goalposts can't move. Yeah, good advice. Do you have mm-hmm. a favourite tool or system for CRM? Um, I've just started. I've just abandoned High Rise. Oh yeah, which uh, which <clears throat> I used to use, but kind of couldn't really get to grips with properly. Um, I've just started using one called Capsule. 
Ah, yes. So, um, not got very far with that. I mean, literally, I think my free trial just ran out at the beginning of this month. Yep. Um, but funnily enough, having looked at a few and decided to to try Capsule, um, and very much impressed with it right from the beginning, especially compared to High Rise. Um, I then discovered that the head office is in Manchester, just up the road from me, oh. <laughs> which I didn't realise. It's a UK company behind it. Um, they're yeah, they're based uh, probably wow. half an hour up the road from me. Wow. Um, so I must try and at some point meet up with the with, with the the guys involved. Yeah, absolutely. Say, well, when you do, thanks. pop in and <laughs> say hi from us because we are Capsule users. Uh, oh right, cool. Yeah, yeah. We use we use Capsule here at the moment, and I must say it's uh, it's it's pretty it's pretty good. We're 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 mm. pretty happy with it. Um, what's the best way? You, you mentioned before about the um, the project that you're working on that you know blew out. What's the best way to keep a project and a client on track and avoid that scope creep? Um, <clears throat> communication, I think, is is the main thing. Um, Realising when either something's um, not been specified uh, well um, and then communicating that to the client and just saying, look, either we need to rein this in or we need to look again at, at what the costs are or maybe we need to drop something else. Um, it can be difficult. I remember um, a couple of years ago, um, I, I took on a what I thought was a smallish job for a client who had a number of different sites um, who wanted to merge them all into one multi-site, um, which turned out, uh, and one of the key things was he ne didn't want a single link to break. Um, <laughs> and that turned out to actually be really, really difficult. <laughs> Um, and on top of that, you wanted some new features. And basically, at, at one point, I just turned around and said, you know what, I actually don't know what it is that you want, this new feature you want in particular. I really don't understand how you want it to work. Um, and I just, it's just not happening within this fixed price that we've, we've agreed on. So um, I've just got to say, sorry, but it's not going to happen, um, which he was, he was fine with, and, and, and he said he'd go elsewhere. Funnily enough, I have noticed that it still hasn't been done, and it's more than a year <laughs> later, so nobody else has figured out how to do it either. <laughs> uh, you did touch on this before about word of mouth. Any ideas for getting referrals from existing clients? Um, it's not something that I particularly actively pursued, but I'm sure I should, actually. Um, uh, yeah, I guess um, just I don't know. Just ask to be to be honest. I think if somebody's pleased with the work that you've done, um, yeah, just ask them at that you know at that point to say you know if you you know hear of anybody else, send them my way or or something along those lines. It's not it's not something that I've actively done at the moment, but but I know it has happened. People ha my clients have recommended other people to me, and I've got new clients that way. But as I say, not actively pursuing it, but I should, probably should. Mm. It's funny. It sounds really obvious, but that's I, that's actually some of the advice that the kind of you know referral experts, if you want to call them that, some of the mm. advice they give is actually have scheduled time in your calendar where you reach out to existing clients who you know are happy with you and ask them for referrals. It's pretty simple, right. but yeah. something that we're pretty bad at as freelancers. We kind of feel, mm. I don't know, it kind of feels a bit... Sometimes it feels a bit desperate, doesn't it? If you if you reach yeah, out, yeah. can you send? You know, can you refer? But if if you yeah, yeah. if you do it in a nice, polite way, and it's and you kind of do it a bit off the cuff and a bit lighthearted, it can actually uh, uh, yield results. Mm -hmm. What's the number one thing you think you can do to differentiate yourself from all of the other freelancers and, and WordPress developers around? Um, that's a difficult one for me, I think, because. Um, my big differentiator, of course, is being the co-founder. I think. That's, <laughs> kind well, of... <laughs> that's, well, it doesn't get exactly right. It doesn't get any bigger than that, does it? Um, but also, I think I I try to specialise in in the more the more technical, the more interesting, the the more diverse things to do with WordPress. So I I love making WordPress jump through hoops. Um, I don't do too much of just building a site for people. I always want to. Customize it, build custom plugins, or, or modify themes in quite uh, you know really really interesting ways. And some of my best projects, some of the ones that I really have enjoyed working on, have been very complex ones with lots of uh, coding involved and and uh, solving some some quite new problems sometimes. Mm. Great, and I think you uh, you touched on the key point there is to specialize is to is to work mm -hmm. out what it is you're good at and specialize it at that. 
Yeah. Excellent. Well, that uh, wraps up the elevation round. Thank you very much. Mike, what's the future for Z1? Where do you see Z1 going over the next 12 months? Um, for me, uh, I've actually been, it's strange, but I've actually been uh, trying to uh, sell myself as a brand rather than Z1, the company. Yeah. Um, which on, on the advice of, of uh, a few people and, and a few people uh, different places around the web. Um, so that's one of the things that I've been doing is that really the company is just at the moment, it's just an umbrella for me selling myself. Um, but uh, I really want to pursue the training that I'm doing um, both in the classroom and I'm also looking to put some courses online, uh, which I really want to kick off uh, this year um, and get something pretty soon hopefully in the next quarter get something online um and uh therefore i think maybe i should start working with uh more people under the z1 brand which i have done occasionally because i'm not a designer for example mm -hmm. so if i need if i get a job that requires some design work then i'll get a designer in um and i've, I've done that on the odd occasion but i think i might try and do that a little bit more regular and have uh if, i don't think i'm ready for employees at the moment but certainly people i you know i'm happy to to be an associate of z1 and and get them into to work on projects and so on um so yeah but a little bit more more of that and certainly i'd love to do more of the training because i'm really really enjoying the training especially mm. the classroom training but i know a classroom with you know 15 20 people in it is is a bit different from being able to to help so many more people online who uh, mm. will learn at their own pace. So yeah. that's where I'm heading, I think. Well, I must say online training and doing courses online is, is a great space to play in. And I would suggest that having the credentials that you have, uh, you know, I think that's a great opportunity. And I imagine you would knock that one out of the park. So I'll be very curious to see how that unfolds. That's and I'll, hope, be, yeah. I'll be watching that with a keen eye. What's the future of, of WordPress for you? Where do you think WordPress is going to go over the next couple of years? Um, I think, um, and there's been some hints from Matt in particular in his uh, State of the Word uh, keynotes that he does at the, uh, the WordCamp San Francisco. Um, I think it's going to develop more as a web application platform whilst still remaining um, a simple to use uh, personal publishing platform. Um, so I think both um, improvements in the ease of use of WordPress, um, but also improvements in it becoming a platform where WordPress itself might be just be the repository of your content, for example, mm. um, and the the delivery might be something different, like a native app on on a mobile device, or um, you know something along those lines, or even another website somewhere that's retrieving data from from uh, you know WordPress that's just being a, a repository almost of, of mm. content. Um, so yeah, along those lines, I think. So the, the guys at um, Human Made, Tom Wilmot and Noel Tock, when I interviewed them on this podcast, they were the ones that actually suggested that I interview you. Um, and they certainly have built a web application on top of WordPress called Happy Tables, which is a, yeah. a you know, simple to set up web design solution for restaurants. So do you, do you see that that will happen more and more, that people will be building vertical specific platforms on top of WordPress? Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've I've actually been uh, predicting uh, vertical specialization of WordPress for for two or three years now. Mm. Um, I kind of thought it would happen with perhaps people packaging WordPress with a, a small set of themes and a set of plugins, maybe even pre-configured mm. as a a drop-in package for a particular vertical. Mm. Um, but actually, I think it's to, it's turning into to the um, you know software as a service type thing. I think that's where it's going. Um, because it does, it's it's become powerful enough to lend itself to that now, and I mm. think um, we're gonna, yeah, we're definitely gonna see more of that. And it has a lot of really cool stuff that works straight out of the box, doesn't it? Like if you're building, mm. I had this conversation with with um, Noel and and Tom at uh, Pressnomics uh, in uh, Arizona last year, and I said, why did you use WordPress? Like if you're going to build a web app from scratch, why didn't you use yeah. Ruby or why didn't you use PHP? But you know, build something from scratch. Now, kind of like, well, you know. It's got all this really cool stuff out of the box. It's got user registration. It's got, mm -hmm. you know, I've lost my password. I need to reset it. It's got, it's got taxonomies. It's got all this stuff that just works yeah. out of the box that we don't have to reinvent. Even though there's a whole bunch of stuff that we don't need, it's also got mm -hmm. this, all this really cool stuff that is just available to us. Absolutely, yeah. Um, yeah, and I think that's one of the, 
you know, one of the most powerful things about it, especially uh, if you really get to know how to work with it and, and mm. what it's capable of, mm. um, is that, yeah, you just get all that stuff for free. And it's, it's a fantastic starting place yeah. for building something that's, that's completely customized. Yeah. And, and in my um, uh, training courses, and particularly the, the intermediate and the advanced ones, um, people are quite astonished at some of the things that I demonstrate to them, and that uh, you know, and I don't particularly cover coding in in either of those courses. But it's just here's this really sophisticated plugin that allows you to do this, and if you mm. treat it this way, look what you've got. Yeah. And yeah, it's a real eye opener for for people, even if they've been familiar with WordPress for a few years. Yeah. Um, it's it's really really good, and it, yeah, it's a powerful platform. Really yeah. is. How, how do you just? I'm curious. How do you feel about the premium theme and the premium plugin kind of ecosystem that's grown up around WordPress? Um, I think it's great. Uh, I think it's um, it's it's um, yeah. It's it's a really good thing. It's built an industry around um, WordPress. I think there's um, a fair number of cowboys. <laughs> in, in in the industry, um, some of which are on very popular marketplaces, um, but but I think the good ones uh, are kind of bubbling to the top, um, and particularly the themes. Um, I wish some of the theme developers would just concentrate on design and not try and put all bells and whistles mm. into themes, which is something I always advise against. Mm. Um, but um, yeah, I think it's it's only a good thing, and and it's it's interesting to see that. Um, some of the players are stopping competing on price now and stopping giving everything away for next to nothing um, and starting to look at you know proper business models, a service biz- business model where it's all about support and, and updates and, and, and new features rather than um, a one-off payment and, and off you go and you're on your own sort of mm. thing. So yeah, it's, uh, I think it's great and I think it's it's one of the reasons that, that WordPress has continued to expand and continue to get to get better. Yeah, and it's interesting. Um, this is completely off topic, but you just touched on a point, and I think it's I think it's this is a fascinating um, um, a fascinating problem that we have. I was talking to uh, the guys. I was talking to Carl Hancock from Gravity Forms and Jay from Envato at Pressnomics, and we had this conversation about. Um, the big themes that sell really well on Envato. Carl Hancock from Gravity Forms spends most of his life uh, answering support tickets because Gravity Forms won't work with a theme that someone's bought Mm -hmm. from a theme developer who has bundled as many bells and whistles as they possibly can into their theme to make it as attractive as possible to sell it, not Mm realising that that theme won't then play nice with other plugins in the the WordPress Mm -hmm. uh, architecture. So how do we solve this problem that... And I've had convers- and I've interviewed guys at Invado, and I've had conversations with lots of Invado authors. Is that they're they're I mean the authors they're looking at supply and demand. So they say, well, the customers are demanding these themes with all these toggle switches mm-hmm. and all these all these radio mm-hmm. buttons that they can turn things on or off, and that's what drives demand and that's what drives sales. So they need to supply that. But then that theme, if it's not coded in best practice and it and it doesn't consider mm-hmm. what's happening in terms of the plugin architecture. It causes a lot, lots of problems. It has this ripple effect right across the yeah, the ecosystem. Yeah. How do we how do we educate people who are buying themes and plugins that if you buy you know if how do we solve this problem? Is it that we sell a theme and it comes bundled with a whole bunch of plugins that you install as well, rather than putting all that stuff in the functions file? How do we solve this? Because it's a real it's a real problem. Oh, it is absolutely, and 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 people only see the theme that they want and they see all the things that it has sliders and and portfolios and all this kind of stuff and they think it's it's the thing to do um and they don't realize and and they invest time in it and they invest uh, effort and put content into it and they don't realize until the point where they get sick of that theme and they go oh i want to get a new theme and suddenly all the stuff disappears yep. um i think we we need to i think the only way we can really at the moment really educate uh, the end users is with the horror stories of, of things disappearing when they decide they want to change a, a new theme or being stuck with the theme forever because mm. they've invested so much content in something that the theme does that it should, shouldn't. Mm. But I think the most important thing is to, to educate both the theme and plugin developers to cooperate more. It, it's entirely um, per, uh, um, possible and proper to... Um, 
to build into your theme support for any number of the popular plugins mm. such that they instantly work and work well and work beautifully mm. you know uh, you know pick on uh, three or four of the most popular slider plugins mm. and building support instantly into into your theme for them so that nobody even has to um, modify the files to put the function calls in or anything like that. Mm. Um, I, I mean, a classic example of that, for example, is um, uh, Studio Press themes. Studio Press themes support um, um, breadcrumb trails on pages. But if uh, Yoast's SEO plugin is installed, they turn off their own mm. and call Yoast's function mm. because it has more features, it does more SEO things. Mm. Um, and that's just automatic out of the box. It's not actually something they particularly advertise, but mm. that kind of capability where, yeah, you might provide some functionality within the theme, but ideally you want to um, allow another plugin or any number of the popular plugins to to uh, to take advantage of that mm. and that can be done really really cleanly so that nothing breaks if the if the user hasn't got that plugin installed um and it's just a case of educating and getting people to to learn better development techniques mm. and you, you you know the 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 great point you raised there is that <clears throat> it's one thing to have a theme with all these bells and whistles and this fantastic control panel and all these toggle switches that you can push on and off and make things happen but when you switch themes, that all breaks. So if you've got your content using plugins for functionality and theme for design, then when you change themes, your, your website yeah. won't break and your plugins will still work and your content will, will still be in place. So do Absolutely. you think moving forward, we'll see theme and plugin authors work together to sell bundles rather than selling a theme with all these bells and whistles that they sell a theme that comes with plugins and a readme file that says hey install this theme install these plugins this is how you set it up um i think so i still i i mean i talked about that before and i was talking mm. about uh, the verticals i thought that that's kind of the way things would go um straight away but but I think that probably is still something that can still happen. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, a theme with uh, a nice functional slider plugin that works beautifully with it and a portfolio or a gallery plugin, whatever it needs um, to, to, to put the whole, the whole lot together. Um, and, yeah, I think that, and particularly on somewhere like the marketplaces, that would be mm. a great way to, um, to add value, to be mm. able to um, maybe even you, you you browse through the themes, you pick the theme that you want, and then you've got a, a bunch of options. You know, do you want a gallery with it? Do you want a slider with it? And you're actually just choosing which plugins you also want to buy. Yeah, that's right. Um, and and the system handles the fact that these have declared that they're compatible with each other, mm. and therefore it you know narrows it down to the short list of sliders that are compatible with this theme. Mm. I think that would be a great way to go, and I think that would be you know, it allows people to, to, to build up the shopping basket. You know, when you go and uh, buy a car, you know, you look yeah. at what the extras are and which model you want and how many, you know, you want the hatchback or whatever. Uh, maybe something like that where you pick your design first, but then you choose your add-ons for it and they're yeah. not features of the theme. They're extra plugins you're going to buy. Yeah, it's a, good, it's a problem worth solving and it's going to be very interesting to see how that unfolds over the next uh, couple of years. Um, this has been a fascinating uh, interview from my standpoint. I've learned a lot, and it's been absolutely awesome to get to know a little bit about you, Mike. Just before we wrap up, what's the number one piece of advice you would give any entrepreneur trying to build their own business? Um, I think um, I've probably mentioned on it, uh, touched on it before, but yeah, solve people's problems. Um, become a problem solver. Listen to what people are asking for and understand what their problems are and provide them solutions. Yeah. Um, whatever that, whatever form that takes, um, I think that's probably the best thing that you can do. The the worst thing you can do is is sell them the thing that you like doing, um, but make sure that the solutions you provide are the things that you like doing. Yeah, that's that's a, that's, <laughs> that's very you know that's. Yes, just just that is worth the price of admission alone, ladies and gentlemen. Just <laughs> let that one sink in. Make sure the solutions that you are providing. Uh, just say that again. That was gold. <laughs> what did I say? Make um, sure the yeah, so make, solutions you provide are the things that you love doing. So yes. it's that idea of specialising again. Is specialise in yeah. providing solutions for people, but that that are based around the things that you love doing. Yes. 
Make sure the solutions you provide are the things you love doing. That's, I mean, that sounds simple, but just let that roll around your head for a bit. There's, there's a lot in that. Um, all right, just before we finish the competition details, I'm giving away a copy of Scott Birkin's book, the, uh, A Year Without Pants, it's called. It's about, a, he documented the year that he worked at Automatic. It's a fascinating read. If you don't win a copy, go and buy it because it's an awesome read. Um, how we're going to run this competition is this. Leave a comment under this video and tell Mike the number one thing that you would like to learn about WordPress in a WordPress training course that you currently can't find online. So if there's something that you wanna learn about WordPress and you can't find a video tutorial for it or you can't find any resources, what is it that you wanna learn about WordPress? And Mike will take all that feedback on board to help him develop his online training courses. I'll get Mike to swing by in a couple of weeks and award the winner. How does that sound, Mike? Yeah, that sounds great. Excellent. Really good. Where can people reach out and say thanks to you, Mike? Uh, so mikelittle.org is my uh, main site. It's fairly small. There's not a lot on there, but um, there's contact form on there as well. Or they can follow me on Twitter at mikelittlez1. Mikelittlez1. Beautiful. All right, I'll put that stuff in the show notes. And finally, Mike Little, who would you like me to try and interview and why? Um, I think probably uh, Simon Dixon, actually, oh, of Code yes. for the People. Yes. Uh, I think it would be a great person to interview. He's the guy I mentioned earlier who got me that first uh, job with uh, Number 10 Downing Street. Um, he was uh, the person who certainly got a lot of uh, the initial uh, WordPress solutions into the UK government. Um, and yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a great guy in the WordPress community. Um, yeah, definitely worth speaking to. Yeah, I saw Mike speak on a panel at WordCamp Europe uh, last oh, year, right, yeah. and yeah, he was he was he was fascinating. He's got a big brain, I think that guy. <laughs> Simon, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, Simon Dixon, I'm coming to get you, courtesy of Mike <laughs> Little. Hey, Mike, thanks very much for spending some time with us on the WP Elevation Podcast. I really appreciate it, and I wish you all the best for 2014. And I look forward to keeping in touch. Great, thank you. Cheers. <laughs>